Mr. Mackling is on a special assignment today. As of this morning, he was getting ready to head out to Oxford House in northern Manitoba, roughly a thousand kilometers north. He's heading up there with a couple of Winnipeg Blue Bombers to do something rather special with Indigenous youth. Botox. Dentists can now start training to administer Botox because it's not just a cosmetic thing. Apparently, Botox can help with pain due to teeth grinding. So we spoke to the Manitoba Dental Association about that. Also, we spoke to a dermatologist about how cosmetic procedures like Botox and fillers are now being used by a much younger demographic. So we'll learn a little bit about what might be happening there. And Arnold Schwarzenegger terminated a pothole that wasn't a pothole. Times we thought we were helping, but really weren't. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, April 13th podcast for The Start. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is on his way to Oxford House today with some of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. As the Winnipeg Jets get ready for the Stanley Cup playoffs, like we sort of touched on this a few moments ago, but I don't, I don't know about you, but I can just feel this extra level of excitement in the air as spring collides with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Even this morning, as I dragged myself into the building, I, I, I smiled as I noticed in the lobby of our building here at 201 Portage. There now stands a trio of Winnipeg Jets flags. It's the playoffs it is exciting yeah it's a way to decorate kind of this time of year right when people put out their signs at work and lots some of the office buildings will have you know the whiteout signs or go jets go and so let's give it what we got what we can right and with the playoffs not just that excitement we have the whiteout so kyle Mulherry is the senior director of game presentations for true north and he was on the news with richard and julie yesterday to talk about hey if you don't know it just how important the whiteout is yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, um, you know, whatever people wear uh, in white, we've seen, you know, paint outfits, schmocks, we've seen white suits. I mean, it is one of the most glorious sporting spectacles that there is uh, in the world, quite frankly. And if you remember the previous whiteouts, I mean, nationally, internationally, it's it's something to behold. And we as Winnipeggers need to be about as proud of the whiteout as we can of anything, because it, it, it seriously separates us from so many places. And the passion is absolutely incredible in this city. And we can't be any more excited uh, to obviously welcome just, you know, droves of people downtown here uh, to support the Jets. And, and hey, the Moose are in the playoffs, too. So this is about as, as exciting as it gets in downtown Winnipeg in our city for hockey. Also, we talked about big parties yesterday morning because because of the whiteout street parties. So, question is, are we doing it again? Yeah, I mean, there's a plan right now. Uh, there's a plan uh, being created right now about a possible uh, outdoor activation. Or There's things being talked about. There's lots of planning happening. I believe in the next few days there's going to be a lot more information coming out about activations. So we're going to hear about that maybe soon, maybe by the end of the week. And of course, there's the whiteout party for folks who are just going to celebrate with others on the outside of Canada Life Centre. But what about games? When can we get those tickets? Tickets are on sale uh, for the Jets on Saturday, April 15th at noon. Big date. That's this Saturday. Tickets are on sale for the playoff games at noon. Uh, and then uh, there's a pre-sale uh, on Saturday as well at 10 a.m. So if you sign up for Jets Mail uh, and you sign up for the Jets 360 app at WinnipegJets.com, you will be available for uh, tickets available at 10 a.m. on Saturday as well. 
So I'd love to know who's getting into going to the game. The playoff game is a totally different atmosphere. I've been lucky to go to a few, and it's fantastic. The stuff on the outside is what I love watching because it's not just – even if you don't go down to the party, Brett, there is something about hearing it on radio, hearing that vibe, seeing it on national television, and just – like we, we come out looking so good. So now we just have to figure out a way to, to show off our best side. Regular season, of course, wraps up tonight. Keys to the game with Cameron Poitras at 8-11 as the Jets take on the Colorado Avalanche. By the way, the question of the day yesterday that we asked, looks like the Jets will face either the Vegas Golden Knights or the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs. What do you think? Who do you think they have a better chance against? And 71% say Vegas, 29% say Edmonton. That's what I was hearing yesterday. People are hoping it's Vegas that we take on in the first round. There's just too many people maybe in our audience who just remember the late 80s and just would rather walk away from Edmonton while they can. (laughs) Uh, The Oilers, yeah. (laughs) Even I remember that, and I don't share the same pain Greg does whenever we talk about Edmonton, but yeah. But hopefully Vegas... Right now, we want to talk about a Winnipeg business owner who says she is beyond frustrated with crime in this city. So we're talking vandalism, attempted break-ins, smashed windows, threats of violence, and, and she says they've only escalated in recent months. Her name is Nikki Sherwin. We heard a bit of her audio in the news with Skylar there, but she owns a business called Wolfs and Wigs. Uh, that's on St. Anne's Road, and the shop offers grooming for dogs, classes, and more. Uh, at least it used to, Brett. You know, I went on their website. They have great little names, you know, for pet pedicures and all the rest. It's, she's running a, a great business, but it's been struggling because, well, in her words, here's what she's been dealing with. Since December 2022, I've had eight incidents at my facility that included six break-ins, a person on meth smashed four of our cars and bouldered through boulders at my daughter's face and included, it was at 9.30 at night, I teach obedience classes um, three nights a week. And at 9.30 at night, there was a person um, on my exit um, at my glass door demanding to get in, started slowly, politely, became enraged, smashing hard, for 45 minutes as I was on the phone and no police showing up for 45 minutes. Um, Horrified, angry, scared. That's just summing it up for her emotions. I mean, I can only imagine, right, we're talking eight incidents, six break-ins. And as you heard her say, she's struggling with how to respond. And of course, the police response, she has been dealing with them. They have been talking to her frequently and says they're equally as frustrated as she is. Reached out to me on site and and afterwards in person or over the phone. Um, I'll communicate frustration with what's happening within our city. Um, They have been supportive, but also communicates that there's very little that they can do. Um, They've made suggestions. I've implemented um, I've implemented cameras. I've left on lights now at night. I've canceled my evening classes. I have shutters being installed on all five points of all five doors in my facility. Um, insurance canceled after the first break-in. Um, so I've had to take on not only the improvements in our facility, but also at a great loss with no longer um, teaching obedience in the evenings as well as the continual damage that's happening to my facility, which includes I have to replace three doors, and now I'm being graffitied almost every evening for the past week, 
And now they've even um, gone beyond my fences and my doors to my brand new um, awning that lights up the corner unit. And now that's also been um, graffitied and I'm at a loss for words. How are you supposed to run a business like that? Like the insurance is canceled. The, the, these, these target, these incidents are happening every day. So, I mean, obviously this is costing her big time. She's had to cancel classes. And as you heard, insurance, not longer an option for her because her business has been deemed a risk. Financially, I can't even uh, communicate what a hit this has done to myself and, um, in the business, and uh, I, I certainly haven't made any income since December, and this is my high season, and um, and again, I'm not even making the repairs anymore because it, simply I can't anymore. It's disgusting, really. And so, first of all, her business is suffering. This is the time of year dogs are wet and gross, and they're shedding all their fur, and they want a little spring cleanup too, right? She mentioned it being high season. Well, now she's struggling to run her business. She can't offer those classes that she normal normally do. And here's the thing: like we've known for a while now that the police are so busy that unless that there's like a you know they have to really triage calls. And so if you're calling to say that vandalism has occurred, well, they're not running out unless maybe they have an opportunity to catch someone in the act. And on the other hand, we also talk about no such thing as a victimless crime. So sure, she physically, is she physically okay? I guess, but you'd argue she's not. She's probably not sleeping. You're stressed to the max. Your business is suffering. You have no money coming in. And every day waking up to walk in to see what you're going to face I can't imagine this stress. And it's it's the kind of crime that, it, I mean, no crime has any reason to it, but it's why. Why smash the windows? Why graffiti? Why wreck her stuff for no reason whatsoever? Like, what's going on there? Like, there's something wrong with the mentality there. And I get once you're committing crimes, but this isn't even like you're breaking something so you can afford to buy a loaf of bread. You're just being a jerk. And now she's got to deal with it. And that I just feel for her so much. Yeah. And the fact that it's happening over and over and over again, it almost it feels like she's being targeted. And it's just it the graffiti stuff. You know, I live in Osborne Village, so I see it all the time. And uh, yeah, I, I sort, of, sort of feel like a lot of businesses are just kind of sort of doing the same thing. They're just throwing their hands in the air and saying, well, I, I give up trying to because. There's a the Safeway is right next door to where I live, and that the side of it often gets hit with graffiti, and usually they they'll go out and clean it up. But there is this it got tagged a couple of months ago, and it's still there. Uh, I think the the convenience store across the street, the Circle K, uh, which is a, in the same building as the A and W and the Subway, I think that has graffiti on it. There's always graffiti. Uh, along the Osborne Bridge on the on the rails or whatever, or, and in weird spots too, like on the the outside of the bridge, like over the river. I kind of wonder how they even were able to reach that. But I don't. You're right. It, it, you're not benefiting from this at all. So I don't get why this is happening. But I guess if you want to weigh in at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight, if it's a problem in your neighborhood, your neck oh. of the woods. Or what to do? Like, is there, a, I hate to say like someone, but there'll be other businesses that have been through this. Have you found ways that are, are successful that are stopping criminals from being, from doing this? Because, you know, as you heard, she put the shutters up, Brett, she's got the camera, she's talked to the police, she's added a couple of different measures. Is there something else she can do? Because now it appears the onus is on her to just take care of herself because insurance isn't helping and uh, police are only able to do so much.
It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is away today on assignment. Here's the headline at CJOB.com. Arnold Schwarzenegger terminates huge pothole that wasn't actually a pothole. You may have seen this earlier this week. He got fed up with this big, big pothole in his Los Angeles neighborhood, so he took matters into his own hands to fill it with some asphalt, but turns out the pothole wasn't actually a pothole. He covered up a winter. It turns out it's a pretty important service trench. It had been <laughs> dug out <laughs> for ongoing work being performed in the area by SoCal Gas. They said the work was supposed to be complete by the end of the month. So, yeah, he, he and a couple of guys went out there and did this work. So proud of himself. And it turns out he shouldn't have done that. So... The question this morning is, what's a time that you thought you were helping, but you really weren't? Like, did you ever fix something that didn't need to be fixed? Do something nice for someone they didn't want it? Buy something thinking it was what somebody wanted, but you got it totally wrong? Or, I don't know, maybe you helped out at work? Trying to help someone out at work, and then you just end up getting in the way, or you botch something up entirely. 204-780-6868. Krista Berg tickets up for grabs. We'll pick a winner at 915. Cameron Poitras. What a story with the Arnold Schwarzenegger, though. Imagine, like, starting that. It says, who the heck did this? And then you follow up all these chain of events, and it ends up that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the guy at the end of that rope. Like, that, that's 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 just crazy. Like, who would have thought? Like, who filled this thing? Like, what kind of guy did that? And it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, <laughs> the Terminator. But, yeah, it's the Terminator. Um, well, I, I, I did this. This happened last, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the garden in. But um, I did this la- two summers ago. Um, my mom was, uh, was gardening and she was out, um, doing stuff. And I went out there just because I like to do it. And I was helping her, uh, pull weeds or what I thought were weeds. Well, she had planted some, uh, leeks and I didn't know what a leek looked like. I'd never seen a, a leek grow before. So I started pulling all these plants and then my mom runs over <laughs> to me and she goes, uh, you're like, you just pulled them all out. It's not enough time for me to plant them again. So there was no leaks that year. <laughs> I was like, when uh, I've never had a garden leak. I've never seen one grow. So, yeah. I, I don't even know what that is. We had the opposite on the <laughs> it's like farm. It's like a long onion. Yeah, like a long, mild onion. It's, a, it's an onion, yeah, yeah. I think. I was just going to say, we intentionally did that growing up to the asparagus in our garden. Really? My sister and I. Yeah. Like, did we you, didn't, did I love asparagus it? now, but we didn't like it then. And we we all pitched in to help plant the garden every single year and weed it. And then we would go out there after it started coming through and stomp on that asparagus. It was terrible of us. but <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah, leeks, they basically look like giant green onions. I'm going to have mm-hmm. to try yeah. these. Looks good. Um, Lauren, what about you? Well, like just in the last week, I've had several incidents. So... We um, had a fridge breakdown several months ago and finally got around to replacing it. Brand new fridge arrived last Thursday. My husband says, I'll install it. Like, just wait till I'm home. And I'm like, I can figure this out. And so get it all set up and I'll put in. And I put the shelves in wrong. And within two hours of ownership, had a shelf break. So that was me just ruining things for myself on a new fridge. Then we moved the table out. I scratched it just the other day. And then I've been after, we did some minor renovations and we unhooked the, well, I don't know how it is, but there's an electrical outlet in the island that you can use, you know, plug in your appliances and stuff. And we had to uh, disconnect that while we were doing these renos not too long ago. And I've been after him to 
reconnect it because it's been driving me nuts that I haven't had that outlet to use. And I'm working from home today, and I'm, I'm wondering if you can hear it. But finally got around to reconnecting this audio, and now I have something in the basement. Just waiting to see if you can hear it. <laughs> it just beep. Beep. Like every 20 seconds. No, you can't hear it from here. It's driving me nuts. So I made him fix this. And now this morning I'm waking up to this beep. And I do not know the source. I'm guessing it has to be the smoke alarm or the carbon monoxide detector. I don't know what, what that would have to do with beep. it. Oh, some- it's probably, probably the battery's probably dying. Yeah, that's what happens in my house. But it's, but it's the exact same. Like literally with, when I told him to fix this, beep. which happened, now it's been beeping nonstop for 24 hours. It just feels too connected. Yep, there it goes. <laughs> oh man that sidebar there's nothing worse than being oh. awoken at three in the morning like yeah you're trying to sleep and then you yeah. wake up to the the smoke alarm decides to tell you then that it's, it's dying like, it's like having a cricket in the house yeah yeah trying to find that it. thing is impossible so crickets don't that's- save your life cam <laughs> i know so now, so now you do that thing you're, you're doing that thing where you're hearing this beep and you're like well if that is the smoke alarm or CO2, I, or CO2, I should get up and fix this before we all die. And at the same time, you're so tired. Oh, there it goes again. <laughs> you guys can't, you still can't hear that. No, right? can't hear I'm it. I'm trying to put the mic to it. Sorry, Cam. All right. <laughs> you're apologizing to me. I don't know. I feel like I let you down on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Skylar, what about you? Uh, well, I could blast my roommates for loading the dishwasher, but loading it like completely incorrectly. But uh, I've already done that once that, this week, and I know they're sleeping and, and uh, studying hard for exams, so I won't in- like elaborate on that. But uh, used to work at a uh, glass company in Brandon uh, during the summer when I was in high school, and the Brandon Hospital uh, was putting up some uh, plexiglass barriers over like some some balconies and stuff like that. Boss took uh, a Friday off because it was the Construction Association golf tournament. So I'm, I'm, you know, he was probably out there having a great time, and uh, I thought I'd try and get in his good books and measure up uh, all the openings so we could cut the glass. So I, you know, measured them up. There's like 64 or something like that. It took me a couple of hours, and comes in on Monday, and like we didn't send them all all to get cut or anything, but I guess he measured like the first two or three, and they all looked good, and um, you know, 64 panes of glass. Uh, plexiglass went out to get cut and i think about 20 of them actually fit and you know if you cut if you measure too big that's fine but if you measure too small you're screwed and it was too small and i actually don't know how i kept my job for the remaining two months of that summer but uh yeah i was trying to be a good guy and help out the boss a little bit while he was out enjoying a round of golf and uh, probably ended up costing uh the glass company or i don't even know taxpayers a a significant amount of money so (laughs) Just, a, just an apology to the, the province of Manitoba. All right. <laughs> I've been sitting on this for like nine years. Finally, it's off your chest. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. And uh, Forte, you got one? Yeah. Uh, so when I was a kid, you know, I'm trying to help out my mom in the kitchen. And it must have been like a, a bag of frozen peas or something like that. I can't remember. But I'm hitting this bag of peas against the counter. Mom's going, no, don't do that because the bag's going to rip open. And I didn't list her. And, of course, the bag ripped open, and there's frozen peas or whatever it was just all over the kitchen. So that was pretty bad, but it wasn't as bad as what my brother did. You know when you're trying to get uh, ketchup or mustard from the bottom of the bottle to the top of the bottle, and you hold the bottle upside down from the bottom, the and whip. you swing your arm around? Yeah, my brother was doing that with mustard, and, uh, well, the Uh bottle wasn't Uh closed. And so there's mustard on the ceiling, on the walls, on the floor. And afterwards, (laughs) he's looking around, and he's going, whoa. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I, I like he made some art. Oh yeah, like I, I looked at there, I looked at the kitchen. I was like, I'm out of here. And every few minutes, I'd pop my head in just to see how the cleanup was going. Yeah, uh, mom and dad were not impressed by that. If you haven't seen it at your dentist's office yet, you might notice it soon. Signs indicating they've received the training to start administering Botox. So this is because the Manitoba Dental Association recently approved the use of Botox and fillers for dentists by dentists to, to give to clients. And it doesn't mean every dentist has to provide this. And if they're interested, they have to take extensive training. But this is something dentists in other provinces like Alberta are already allowed to do. And clearly there's a demand for some enhancements out there. Dr. Scott Lecky is with the Manitoba Dental Association and joins us now. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. How are you so- doing today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for taking the early start with us. I'm, I'm curious, why add this to possible services for dentists? Well, we've seen that there is a need for um, this type of, uh, of treatment, mainly through the primary concern of this is for um, treatment of bruxism and myofascial pain and some headaches. So we'll get into the cosmetic stuff in a moment, but as you pointed out, there are uses for Botox that you know we didn't know about, like jaw pain uh, are you seeing a lot of that yeah i mean since the uh, uh the covid uh pandemic started uh we've seen a significant increase in in bruxism or teeth grinding and clenching uh which is leading to more myofascial pain like soreness in your jaw and uh, migraine headaches and and that type of uh, of issues with patients I'm not going to ask you to psychoanalyze this, Scott, but do your patients explain why they might be grinding their teeth more? Is it just, is, I'm making an assumed stress but that, or bad sleep habits? I, I would say that that would be stress-related for sure. Uh, the stress has increased amongst the whole population during the COVID pandemic. So um, an easy stress release that people have is they, they tend to clench and grind their teeth. Okay, so first of all, a couple of just quick follow-ups on that. What is Botox exactly? I know what it, that's what it's called, but what is it? It's a. It's actually. A, it's an. It's a neuromodulator is the best way to describe it. What it does, it uh, it affects the proteins in the nerves and stops the nerve from signaling, um, from signaling at all, and leading to like paralysis of the muscle. And then, how does the Botox help with the the pain? So what it does is it calms the muscular activity within your jaw, so that you cannot. I mean, you're still functioning, but you're not just clenching as hard. The function of the muscle is is weaker. So there's the there's that that ability to provide that as a dentist. But I'm going to guess that when it comes to just what maybe the rest of us associate Botox with, and that's the wrinkles, you know, the fillers mm-hmm. for parts of our skin, mm-hmm. there has to be some sort of demand there too, because this is extensive training that people would have to go through. So it's great to help with the jaw and teeth stuff. But I'm I'm guessing you might be having. You tell me about what the demand might be for the cosmetic enhancement. I think that'll that'll eventually come for sure. Um, as I said, the primary concern for dentistry is is the treatment of the of the musculature within the face and the jaw. Um, we do go through pretty stringent education process, continuing education process. We have to take refresher in anatomy. Um, during our dental education, we have an extensive amount of education for the head and neck. So I think our anatomy is is quite well known within dentistry. Um, But 
and then the cosmetic end of it that you're describing through the around the lips and the eyes and, and the neck um, that that tends to that's the highest roster level so it's the furthest into the education that you can go um, it is the highest level of education so it, it will be very strictly uh, watched what percentage of dentists do you foresee going through this training <laughs> that's that's an interesting question I'm not sure but I think the uptake will be a little bit more than than uh, than it is now, which is fairly uh, uncommon right now in Manitoba. But I, I think it it'll be become more popular because I do believe that it's a it's a helpful adjunct to treating uh, TM joint dysfunctions, myofascial dysfunctions, and and maybe even we see some uh, migraines. So uh, when we wait to see how this will go, are there any dentists that are currently offering this? Or are we still sort of in the early stages of this, Doctor Lecky? We're in the we are in the very early stages uh, of offering this in Manitoba. Yes. All right, Doctor Lecky, with the go ahead, finish your thought there. No, I, I was just going to say I don't have the exact numbers on how many Manitoban dentists are actually doing that, but uh, there will be a roster publicly um, uh, displayed on our Manitoba Dental Association website. And are you hearing from clients? Sorry, Brett, do you hear from clients asking you that they'd like to get this, whether it's for that jaw pain or for wrinkles? Right now, it's fairly rare, but I am getting the occasional one, yes. Dr. Scott Leckie with the Manitoba Dental Association. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate this. Thanks very much for having us. Small town salute. Manitobans are known for being generous. And this week, we got a text from a listener looking to put a spotlight on some of the generous people he is in connection with. So Ian Smith is a loyal listener. He's also been a guest on our show because he's a farmer, raises pigs, sells sides of pork, bacon, great bacon, by the way. Um, And he delivers all over Manitoba. And he said he wanted to just let us know that he texted about a customer who always buys extra meat, like an extra entire side of pork, so that, that they can then donate it to a food bank in Enola. And we know, Brett, that food bank use has skyrocketed over the past uh, several months. And while we often just speak to Winnipeg organizations, we thought we should see what's going on in rural Manitoba because we know this is a Canadian-wide issue. So we're joined by Jerry Renaud, Springfield Food Bank. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. So Springfield area, just for those the uninitiated, that would service what areas? Or what communities? Uh, we are at Oak Bank, Dugald, Hazel Ridge, uh, Cooks Creek, Enola, Vivian. Uh, those are the major ones. And what is the need that you're seeing? Um, well, we're up now to um, about 105 registered households. We don't see them every week, but um, uh, we see maybe 16 every Saturday. We're open Saturdays from 10 to 12 every Saturday. So, Jerry, they come much the same way, say, a Manitoba Harvest, that you can go in and sort of uh, grab what you need, or is there a hamper that's set aside for them? Uh, we, may, uh, we have someone that makes the hampers up during the week for singles, couples, families, and then when they come, they can't come inside anymore, so we have um, had an intercom put in by the municipality, and we do it from the outside, and then we take it up to them, and then they're offered different things that we have like now we have some pork so we will be able to do that and um yeah every two weeks they're allowed they're um coming every two weeks 
the fresh meat might must be something different because I know, you yeah. know, donating to food banks in the past, you might bring the pasta or the sauces or the chickpeas or canned vegetables, but fresh meat uh, is, must be sort of a treat to hand out. Right. Yes, it sure is. People just love it. It doesn't last very long. <laughs> so. so, Jerry, you talked about the need, so uh, about being about 100, that 60 might come every week, so you have maybe, you know, 80 to 100 a month. How does that compare to, say, even a year ago, do you know? Um, well, when the pandemic first started, we didn't really notice an increase in people in households just that they the ones that were coming more infrequent now are becoming regular but in the past six months we've noticed that now we're getting new households in fact in the last month we got five new ones and for us that's quite a quite a jump and when these when you get a new household when when these uh, new families come to to see you how do they how do they address it you know is do they do they come with a sense of hesitation or perhaps even... Oh, yes. You know, they have the, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to come to a food bank. So, mm-hmm. But we try and make it as pleasant as possible, and we don't ask too many questions. You just need your six-digit health card number. And uh, then we just, for the first time around, we, we just need to know your location within the municipality and uh, how many people in the household and the type of income, not, a, not an amount, just the type. And, um, you know, if there's kids or single, that's all we ask. So we try to make it as easy as possible for people. Well, you know, it, there's, there's just no shame in going to it. I can only imagine how hard it might be to put up your hand, Jerry. But, you know, Manitoba Harvest said the numbers for February are, were 42,000. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, it was only 12,000 people using the food bank a year ago. Now they're at 42,000 and they help communities around the province, you know, get food to them. Mm-hmm. And are you, are you one of the food banks that Manitoba Harvest helps out? Or are you running this independently, sort of just as your own town's own thing? Uh, no, we are associated with Harvest, we, but we haven't really had to take anything from Harvest. Right. We, we have a very generous municipality, businesses, uh, individuals, that's, you know, schools, churches. I think every one of them has donated to the food bank. We're very lucky. You know, I uh, grew up in grew up in a small town, Jerry, and I and I live in one now. And people are so wonderful in communities right across this province. But the hard part in the smaller communities that you run into people you know, perhaps sometimes when you'd rather not. And so I can only imagine putting your hand up for help, and then and then the additional layer that might come in a smaller town. Yeah, yeah. Some people, it, you know, it, it, we we try not to make them uncomfortable. I hope they're not anyway. No. And we know a lot of them now, and it's just. We have good relationship with people, and I hope we make it easy for them to come if they have to. So in terms of donations, if somebody wants to to make some donations to the food bank, is it better for them to drop off food, uh, or is it better to to donate financially? If they want to donate financially, it has to go through the RM of Springfield. We don't handle the money. We uh, They get the donations. They give out their receipts, and then they send the money to us so that we can buy things that we need. And uh, food-wise, oh, there's different places within Oak Bank and Dougal that they can drop off food. But um, a co-op makes those um, hunger count bags, and we get a lot from them, and people leave their donations there. So I think it's fairly easy. Well, Jerry, I want... I want to thank you for what you're doing. If there's people in the Springfield area that are looking for a little extra help this week or this month, uh, how do they get in contact with you or the Springfield Food Bank? Uh, my, 
my name Jerry Reynard, and my uh, co- other coordinator is Lori Beer, and our phone numbers are on the website, the ARM website. And um, yeah, do you want my number? Or? That's okay. I'll I'll oh. look. I'll I'll get things okay. out the website out. It's just like the ARM of Springfield, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jerry, thank you so much for what you do. And to anyone out there listening, if you need help, we have listeners re- frequently, Brett, right, that text in to say that they're at that point now that they need just a little extra boost to get them through the week or month. And, and that's what food banks are there for. So thank you very much, Jerry. rmofspringfield.ca for more information. And we say thanks to Jerry Reynard from the Springfield Food Bank. It is McGarry and McNabb. And Mackling, Loren, have we reached Mr. Greg somewhere in getting ready to hop a plane? Well, he hopefully has a steep tee in hand for his journey. (laughs) One more regular season game for the Jets, but we're not talking hockey right now. We're talking football, Greg. Why? Where are you? Well, I am. Uh, I'm not far away. I can actually pretty much uh, see you guys from where I'm standing. I'm just outside the perimeter aviation terminal, out at the end of Ellis Avenue on Ferry Road. We're getting ready to head up to uh, Booning Bonaby Cree Nation. A lot of people know that as Oxford House, and uh, there's myself and a couple of uh, gentlemen that Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans are certainly familiar with: Drew Walatarski and Nick Dembski making the trip up north today. We're going to go visit some uh, grade 7 to 12 students at school up there, and we're bringing some T-shirts, some footballs, going to have a little bit of a football clinic in the gym, and we're expecting about 150 kids to participate in that today. Pretty exciting stuff, actually. How far up is that, Greg? It's just under 1,000 kilometres, Brett, and uh, I think as the crow flies... Uh, Dan Marino of the Blue Bombers and Savannah Ginter are also with us today. And uh, I think Dan said we're going as far north today as if we were going south to Minneapolis, if that makes sense. So we're going to be, you know, we're going to be up in that very northeast corner of Manitoba. So I think it's exactly 950 kilometers. So with with the... Sorry, my mic, I literally just had it all screwed up there, Greg. With the distance that you're going, I mean, this isn't the first for Bombers, as we've talked about. They really like to get to all corners of the province if they can. But I think the north has been of particular question. Let's talk a bit bit more about that, because that's part of their drive, to expand the sport, but also the love for the Bombers. Uh, 100%, Loren, is a real connection. Uh, a perimeter aviation's a partner, the Blue Bombers, and, and I, I think it's pretty much every single game they bring in folks uh, from different First Nations around uh, Manitoba to experience the Blue Bombers, and then in kind or in turn, the Blue Bombers go up. This is Nick Dembski's second visit. Uh, Drew uh, Walatarski's extremely excited. He says this is the first time he's ever gone into what's essentially a fly-in community, excited to, you know, to see the nature involved. But this relationship uh, between the Blue Bombers has been ongoing for several years now, and that connection with the with the First Nations is exceptional. Savannah was telling me that I'd better be uh, prepared to uh, sign autographs today. I'm like, I'm not, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, if you have a Blue Bomber hat or a Blue Bomber anything on, <laughs> you're going to be signing uh, autographs today. So, Oh, what's your uh, position? I'm, what are you going to tell him? I'm just going to sign everything Joe Poplowski today. That's, that's what I've decided. 
<laughs> so it's, it's, I'm really excited. I'm excited to see the kids. I remember what it was like uh, growing up. And, and, you know, whenever you saw a Blue Bomber, it was an absolute thrill. And that connection, you guys have heard me say this multiple times. I think that's the, the difference uh, between the Blue Bombers and, and, or the CFL even and, and other pro leagues is that connection, that ability for the fans to, to literally connect with the players. And it's going to be a real special day uh, for the young folks up at Boone Bonnaby. So, Mackling, let's just say, for example, the Winnipeg, because the Jets wrap up their regular season tonight against Colorado, but they've already got their playoff ticket booked. Had their playoff not been confirmed yet, their, run, their, their trip to the playoffs, would you be in any state to even take this trip today? Would you be too nervous? Oh, it would be a perfect distraction, Brad. Yes. Yeah? yeah? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, on, on Saturday when the Jets played Nashville, I kept myself busy all day. So this would have been an absolutely perfect distraction. So I, I'm glad I don't have to come home and uh, worry about it. Uh, just as happy that the Jets have done their job. But, yeah, this would have been an outstanding distraction. You know what, what? kind of aircraft? I don't. We're, uh, we're, we all have uh, a little bit of a... Uh, of a pool going here as to whether or not it's 12 seats, 15 seats or, 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 or larger than that. We don't really know. Uh, the one thing that we're uh, <laughs> all raising our eyebrow about is it's, it's uh, rush seating. We don't <laughs> have an actual seat. Assigned. It's rush seating. Of course not. It's a small plane. You're just going to get in. <laughs> so Marnie Blunt is here from global news as well. And so, uh, uh, I'll probably uh, hunker down with Marnie and uh, get to know Marnie a little bit more. So, Well, you're heading towards 6 degrees where you're going today, so not too bad. But you've got a chance of flurries, whereas we have a chance of some rain today. So hopefully you're free of snow and just nothing but fun up there. I brought a uh, change of footwear. I've got uh, toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, and in case the worst happens and we, and we have to, you know, we can't get out later on this afternoon. I, I, I'm, I'm prepared to... Uh, to uh, not be coming home tomorrow if that ends up happening. And uh, there's a chicken delight here, Brett, at the uh, mm-hmm. terminal. Do you want me to bring you back some, uh, some chicken or something? I could grab it on my way home tonight and bring it for you tomorrow. Well, you're not coming in tomorrow after that. After, you're not coming home till 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I can bring you chicken anyway. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thanks, Smells Joe. so good. Good luck up there selling yourself to these kids as a former Blue Bomber great. Listen, all I need to do is catch a couple footballs and they'll be, uh, they'll be, uh, they'll be either sold on the notion or they'll know that I'm full of baloney, one or the other. Hopefully they ask you for a foot race, a solid foot race with Greg Mackling. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> Greg Mackling on his way to Oxford House with some of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Thanks, Greg. We'll hear from you on Monday. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling should be just getting going on his way to Oxford House this morning with some of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And we'll learn more about his journey on Monday. Coming up at Global News at 9 o'clock, Loren, we're talking more about cosmetic procedures. Yeah, and I'd love to hear from listeners with their thoughts on just doing something simple like Botox or some of the fillers that you're doing because we're hearing more and more uh, people are turning to cosmetics procedures, enhancements to maybe look younger, maybe make themselves feel better or whatever the reason might be. 
And after nine, we're going to speak to a dermatologist who's been doing this for years. And it's there's you no know, changing demographics. It used to be something that you think you would do in maybe your 40s or 50s. And they're seeing much younger people come in uh, in their early 20s. And I have all sorts of questions about the why, what they're doing, what these clients are asking for. And then, you know, costs too. These aren't simple procedures. And uh, at a young age to be doling out hundreds of dollars, you know, every few months, I'm 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 curious what people are saying, seeing and hearing when it comes to just uh, making these changes to their face or body. I won't pretend I haven't thought about it, Brett, uh, but I'm 45. I certainly didn't cross my mind at 20 that I'd need to be thinking about any sort of uh, wrinkle erasing activity at that age. Yeah, or, or doing something with the lips. A lot of young women like to flip up their lip or whatever or, or puff them up. So we'll learn more about that at 9.05. And, of course, I, the one that I always think about is, uh, is should I be looking into a hair restoration procedure uh, before it all disappears? Uh-huh. So feel free to weigh in on our question of the day at cjob.com. Have you ever undergone or considered undergoing cosmetic procedures like implants or fillers like Botox? Yes, fillers. Yes, implants. Yes, hair restoration restoration or no cast your vote at cjob.com as Skylar was just telling you in the news with the united states pushing for more electric vehicles on the road some experts say canada is lagging behind u.s environmental protection agency is proposing new regulations pushing for two-thirds of new cars and a quarter of new heavy trucks sold in the states to be all electric by 2032 and we can get into that in a bit more in a couple of minutes but here's another thing about electric vehicles which has caught our attention Yeah, so what's coming out of the States is the fact that they're pushing for more electric vehicles. Will we see that push here in Canada? And in the meantime, are there things we haven't considered about the fact that perhaps electric vehicles, they weigh significantly more than their gas-powered counterparts? And so there's questions now and concerns about what that could mean for pedestrians and other drivers in a crash. Global's Jackson Prosco explains why EVs are heavier and then takes us along for a crash test to see how road safety is now being evaluated as a result. It's testing day at the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety in Virginia. Five, five, eight. Where they're preparing crash dummies in a vehicle loaded with sensors and cameras. Because we had this open. And- What's different about today's test is that it involves an electric SUV, which thanks to its massive batteries is far heavier than your average gas-powered vehicle. At test time, the vehicle is catapulted down the track and into a wall, simulating how the car and its occupants would fare in a head-on collision. What we found is that overall their safety performance has been, been very good. Safe for their passengers, but because of their enormous weight, there's growing concern about what happens when EVs crash into other cars and pedestrians. How much extra weight are we talking? Well, in this electric SUV, the battery pack alone makes up about a third of the total weight, nearly a thousand kilograms. That's approaching the entire weight of a compact car. Anytime you have very big mass disparity in a vehicle to vehicle crash, the laws of physics have not changed. The occupants in the lighter vehicle are always going to uh, come out worse. As automakers bring out more electric models, the number of bigger, heavier vehicles on the road is growing rapidly. I am concerned about the increased risk of severe injury and death for all road users from heavier curb weights. The U.S. National Transportation Safety Board is increasingly worried, not just about the weight of EVs, but also their incredible acceleration. 
The 4,000-kilogram electric Hummer can go from zero to 100 kilometers per hour in just three seconds. Simply the acceleration that's enabled by electric batteries and their motors is a problem. There's so many scenarios in which that speed and that acceleration is just dangerous to others on the road. The auto industry argues customers want the range that only big batteries can deliver. In fact, a new generation of lithium-ion phosphate batteries is about to roll out in vehicles everywhere. They're even heavier than the batteries used today. It sounds like there's still a lot to learn. There is absolutely a whole lot to learn. What I'm hopeful for is that some of these vehicle masses don't keep going up and up, that we can have some lighter batteries with, you know, maybe faster charging times. Until then, researchers will continue to put EVs through their paces, making sure that trying to solve one problem hasn't created another. Jackson Prosco, Global News, Rutgersville, Virginia. I will say, Brett, this is not something I had even thought about. Didn't, hadn't crossed my mind when it comes to weight because we used to talk about, you know, growing up how cars are so different now. They're much smaller and more compact, but then they're built with all sorts of different things where the glass will disintegrate, the doors have crash protection. So there's all these safety measures that have been added. But the theory would be that if you're in the bigger car, in theory, you're safer inside that bigger car. But that's not the point, as the story was saying, right? The electric vehicle is, is heavier. So if you're driving it, um, there's no impact on your safety in that heavier vehicle. You might even be more protected potentially. But then what about if you're hitting somebody else? Or if someone else hits you, if a smaller car hits you from behind, the people in that smaller car are going to have the impact of crashing into that smaller vehicle. Then, of course, there's the pedestrians. I hadn't even paused to think about it. I mean, I'm all for talking about renewable energy and, and ways to be better for the environment. But I hadn't considered this factor. And I real just on the other fact about the push in the states to have two-thirds of vehicles electric by 2032 that's like that's now almost you know that's uh in everyone's lifetime almost and so that's just that seems a little that seems rushed yeah does that feel like an overcorrection because this saying that we're going to go for all electric vehicles that seems like something where you would say you know in 50 years this is our target but to, to say that within 10 years we want to have this many electric vehicles on the road, uh, does it just feel like, okay, we're overreacting or, or perhaps we're, we're just trying to catch up on something that maybe we should have been thinking about 20 years ago? Well, this is a state's initiative, but it'll cross over into Canada at some point because of our the way our auto industries are really so intertwined and you might see some pressure here to have the same sort of uh, push to have all new vehicles or two-thirds of new vehicles electric by 2032. It's just new vehicles. And so there'll be all sorts of cars on the road for years after that that are still gas and used cars that will cycle through. But eventually, I guess the goal is to, you know, eradicate those. And that seems quick. If I look at numbers that were just sent, Richard Cloutier had asked Manitoba Public Insurance for the passenger vehicles and light trucks, you know, how many of those in this province are electric right now? Well, in 2019, there was 250 electric vehicles uh, registered with MPI, and we're now at 1,200. So, you know, that's some growth, I suppose, in four years. But we only got 1,200 of our cars electric and another 10 that are gas electric. The rest, you know, almost a million of vehicles in this province are gas or diesel, so largely gas. So we're nowhere near uh, at that level of saying, oh, we really are embracing electric. And I'd love to. Like, well, This has been a talk in our family for years. It just still seems very pricey, even when factoring the gas. Yeah. And, and just as an aside, too, I had no idea 
how heavy those batteries were. Like I always figured that a, that an electric car would be lighter. I mean, and now that I, after hearing Jackson Prosco's story, of course it makes sense. But because I I never found myself sitting, uh, you know, at the pub randomly wondering how much does a, an electric car battery weigh. But to hear how much they weigh, like I would have thought that you take out all those all the the engine parts and the tran, you know transmission and all that stuff that it would be a lot lighter, but to hear that those batteries weigh, I think, what did he say? A thousand kilograms in that SUV. That, uh, that's crazy to me. And then that got me thinking, well, geez, if the batteries are that big, can they explode? So I quickly, I Googled that and quickly learned that, well, no, they're not going to explode on you. Sure. They can catch fire, but so can your car. Or a gas-powered car, I can catch fire. But, uh, yeah, that's fascinating stuff, and it uh, just feels like we're moving very quickly into a, kind of a, a new frontier. And uh, there's a part of me that, that there's that that I don't like change part of my brain is, <laughs> is starting to, to tingle. The spidey sense is starting to tingle. Now, Harry's pointing out, listener Harry, that the EPA in the States, it's what's been proposed. It still has to be passed into law, you know, by state or federal government, however that works. But he's hoping for the sake of the planet it never does. And I'm not sure. I thought for the sake of the planet, we were trying to go electric. So there's lots of things to consider. Uh, let us know how you feel. If you've gone down that electric road, what you've noticed when it comes to the speed or weight of your vehicle. And then are you finding that we have enough charging points? Are we ready for this kind of transition? And then if, if, they're, if the cars are heavier, we have Councillor Broadi just texted me this morning to say, if they're heavier, what about the impact on the roads themselves? Oh, boy. Right? Trucks. Yeah, now we're going to blame electric drivers for the potholes. <laughs> all 2,000 of them. <laughs> you Teslas, you're causing all the potholes. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is on his way north. He is on a perimeter aviation aircraft heading towards Oxford House with some of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They've traveled to three northern indigenous communities and Oxford House is the fourth trip. And one of their main goals is to introduce indigenous youth to football and to promote football within schools and encourage participation as an affordable sport, and uh, they've delivered flag football equipment, like footballs, flag kits, drill books, and they're facilitating skill sessions, and it's all kinds of fun. So Greg went along for the ride, and we're going to hear more about what he experienced uh, when he gets back on Monday. He suggested, Loren, that he might come back in tomorrow. He's not home until 10 o'clock. He's working like a 15-hour day. Uh, so that's fine because we also have something special tomorrow. Not that Greg's not special, but we'll save the Bombers stuff for Monday. And um, tomorrow we have a, it's a big day for us at, at CJOB. The Silo Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon. Officially, it begins at 9 a.m. and runs until 6 p.m. And we'll also be with our friends at Power 97 and Peggy at 99.1. But of course, we'll be discussing it all morning on or throughout the morning on the start. And if you want more information on that, just go to their website, Siloam. Dot ca uh, but yes one of the most one of the most important days of the year uh, on the CJOB because it's such an important organization to help uh, those who are vulnerable in our community so we'll have more on that tomorrow and then at 935 our weekly visit with Jets TV Mitchell Clinton going to join us as the Winnipeg Jets head into their final game of the regular season and it sure is nice it feels nice Loren to be able to say that without any tension. 
It's not like, oh boy, the Jets are, it's their last game. It's their last game of the season. It's do or die. No, it's already done. It's made it fun, I suppose, is like the one way to look at it. But no, it's been too much of a roller coaster. And I actually came in, um, was it Monday? And I said to Greg, we're done, right? Like, that's it? Like, that we've got it all sorted? He's like, nope. <laughs> get through Tuesday. And so they get through Tuesday. So, you know, we're waiting for a clear, full playoff picture for the how things will go. But, but yes, it's a game that you can watch just for the sake of watching the game. You might be interested to see who they sit or don't sit or try to rest. I'm going to assume Hellebach is sitting. Uh, give him a break after I think it was 14 straight games. And if we go on a serious playoff run, and here's hoping we do, he's going to need to stay rested. So we have been talking this morning about cosmetic procedures, and we did have uh, somebody booked here. We're hoping to speak to a dermatologist. But our question of the day at cjob.com, have you ever undergone or considered undergoing cosmetic procedures like implants or fillers like Botox? So your options, well, here, I'll just pull up the results at cjob.com. There are four options. So we've got, uh, yes, fillers. So that oh did it not take it hasn't even taken yet I got to publish the question of the day I guess I didn't publish it all right so we're going to publish that right now um, but in the meantime the, your options will be yes fillers yes implants yes hair restoration or no seven oh five we talked to a dentist because uh, that's soon going to be something that dentists in Manitoba can offer is Botox. Yeah, they approved this back in December, and so the training is finished for some dentists who want to provide this. He had said it's not just for, you know, wrinkles and all the rest, but it's good for jaw pain and other things they see when it comes to people grinding their teeth like crazy these days. And so there's physical, um, um, medical work that can get done with this. But demand is clearly up. And I was looking at the American Society of Plastic Surgeons survey. They put one out just a few months ago, and they found that since the pandemic has ended, three quarters of surgeons and doctors who provide these procedures are getting more calls and one quarter of them some nearly one quarter some 23 percent said their business had doubled so liposuction topped the list when it comes to the surgeries but uh Bo- botox was across the top of the list for those less invasive procedures that is just uh it's fascinating stuff uh to find out like that it's that it's younger where they're seeing more in the younger people and i'm curious to know what's driving it and is it is it a good thing is it a bad thing because we discussed it earlier oh do, do we have our guest on the line forte yes okay all well, right let's uh, let's just do this dr victoria tarasca dermatologist with 25 years experience you're at the derm center in victoria park medispas talk about the changing demographic what are you seeing we're seeing a increase of at least 30% of sort of Gen Zs wanting to have cosmetic uh, procedures, you know, whether that's the boom of social media, whether it's filters on foams, they're a lot more knowledgeable, they're seeing more. So there's definitely an increase in the Gen Z population. And what uh, sort of procedures are they getting? Like, or is there one that sort of stands out as the most popular or... You know, the most popular would be Botox and fillers, you know, especially for the ladies. They're they're liking the lips, um, which can be a good thing or or a bad thing. You know, we like to go for a more natural result, but uh, unfortunately, some things that they see on social media are not all that natural. But then they're also looking for good skincare and preventative skincare as well. They want smaller pores. They like microneedling, peels and facials as well. So they want 
want to sort of preserve what they have rather than than wait wait and be uh, retroactive. I have a question about that in a second, uh, Dr. Taraska. But first, with the growing number of 30% more Gen Zers, so what age are we talking about? Like how young might someone be coming into your office? You know, you can see them in the 20s. You know, most people, I would say, probably do not need Botox till sort of later 20s. And even at that, sometimes, you know, even higher into the 30s. But definitely by the 40s, I would say most people, if they care about, you know, wrinkles and lines in their face, would would need it. Because if we see lines at rest already, not just with movement, you know, you really want to uh, be more preventative, not have them, hopefully slow them down and not have them develop at all. If you're doing the preventative stuff, as it's called, like, does that mean you could start at 20 and be doing Botox for the rest of your life or start at 20 and not have to do it at 40 if that's something you're choosing to do? Right. So we still will always have facial expression and movement. So Botox works at, um, you know, weakening those muscles. So we don't have as much of that expression etching those lines into our face, because that's what separates us from generation to generation, seeing those crinkles and wrinkles that form with the expressive and ongoing movement that we have. So if they start earlier, they may need slightly less dose going forward, because it's like a bicep. If you don't don't use it, you lose it a little bit. So those those muscles will be a little bit weaker and smaller. What do you say to those who might be listening right now and think, you know, like it's, this never crossed my mind at 20, but it also wasn't as widely known of a procedure 20 years ago or 25 years ago, doctor. And so there might be those listening and saying, this is insane. 20-year-olds should not be worried about wrinkles. And most don't luckily have to. You know, most People in their 20s don't need Botox. You know, they're not getting the crinkles or the wrinkles yet. But the odd people who are very expressive and they do certain expressions will start to see some of those permanent lines. So it is a minority, luckily. So, again, if you start seeing those lines at rest, that's definitely when you want to start looking at Botox if that's your interest. Dr. Victoria Taraska, dermatologist at both the Derm Center and Victoria Park Medispas. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Okay, take care. It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is on assignment today. We are asking you to tell us about a time where you thought you were helping, but you weren't. Where you fixed something that didn't need to be fixed, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who terminated a pothole that wasn't a pothole. It was a service trench that had been dug out for the gas company to do some work. And uh, we have tickets to give away for Chris DeBerg playing at the Centennial Concert Hall on Saturday, April 29th. And before we get, we got a couple of texts here, runner up and a winner. But I still, still feel guilty about this, Loren. I was maybe, maybe three or four and I got home from wherever. I don't know. I might have just been outside playing. But um, all my toys were piled. I'd piled them up in my closet and they were just a mess. They were just scattered everywhere. But I, I, thanks to, you know, the imagination of a kid, I sort of treated it, the mess as the the realm. The, you know, like I, I even used, was flying cars through like made up corridors just through the pile of junk. Well, I came home one day and my mom had cleaned it all up and organized it. <laughs> And, and so she ruined my little fantasy land. So I got mad and I kicked, I made them, I remessed it all up try, to try to recreate the pile. And I, but I, I, she was trying to do something nice. 
and I got mad. So like I, I call my mom still, Brett, once a year at least. For guilt I felt in grade three, we were allowed to bring gum to school on the last day. It was like a big deal, right? Like, oh, we can chew gum in school. That's so crazy. And my mom brought home for the next day like a package of Hubba Bubba, which was the more expensive gum. And I was annoyed because I wanted like all the 10-cent gum so I could have hundreds of pieces of gum, you know, like I just wanted all the gum. And I remember being, oh no, everybody else is bringing those rainbow gums, you know, where it was like the long packages with 15 different pieces in it. And she's like, I thought you'd love this. And so once a year I call and say, I'm really sorry about the gum, mom. Like that was, I was mad and I was mean and guilt, it'll get you. Now this listener, our runner up says, I was trying to help my uncle build a fence when I was a teen. I begged to try to use the auger. After some time, I was finally allowed to. Well, first shot, I got it stuck. Stuck so bad they could not get it out. My grandfather had to come and pull it out with the bobcat. (laughs) Ever since then, everyone is very cautious about me helping as me and tools do not mix. That's I I feel your pain because I suck with tools as well. But Shelly Loren Shelly is our winner. Okay, so she was trying to do a good story for us today. We had just bought a new couch. The next day at work, I had this voicemail from my teenage son. Hi, Mom. You know our new couch? Um, I was having soup. I spilled it on the couch, but don't worry. I used a pail of water and a sponge to clean it. Spilled the water, but don't worry. I used your hair dryer to dry the couch. But it was too hot, and I burned a hole in the couch. Love you. Bye. <laughs> got home to see a 12 inch hole in the middle of my brand new couch still love the kid oh that's a great voicemail yeah it's, it's, don't worry i spilled the water but i i used the hair dryer to dry um he's lucky he didn't burn down the house oh man a 12 so inch great, hole? oh my goodness so shelly oh. congratulations you're going to christaberg The Winnipeg Jets are wrapping up their regular season tonight against the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, just ahead of getting ready to begin their own quest for the Cup. And so every Thursday at this time at 9.35, we speak to our friends from Jets TV. And this morning, we're joined by Mitchell Clinton. How's it going, Mitchell? It's going pretty good. I will admit I am battling a cough, so I'm doing everything I can to make sure I don't uh, I don't cough in the middle of any answers today. But otherwise, great morning. It's nice to have the stress of trying to make the playoffs behind us. We can just look forward to some really exciting times. Well, I'm sorry about the cough, Mitchell, but I'm glad you're here. And I know we've all kind of battled one over the winter, and it's frustrating. So if you have to pause and take a break, Brett and I will fill in with our scintillating sports analysis. So Love for, it. Let, it's been, you know, weeks of every game really mattering. And so it's kind of odd to go into the game tonight where it's like, okay, well, it's sort of just watching for the sake of. So before we get to tonight's game, let's maybe just look back uh, about what we learned from the Jets in that win over Minnesota. Yeah, I think like we've always heard how close the Winnipeg Jets room is, but it's very rare that you get examples, I think, as vivid as we saw the other night. Uh, obviously, the one that stands out the most is when Adam Lowry's coming off the ice after his tussle with Ryan Reeves. Reeves had thrown a kind of a questionable hit on Dylan DeMello earlier in the game and was on the ice with 30 seconds left in a game that got chippy. So after Lowry and Reeves dropped the gloves, well, there's a video clip of Lowry coming off the ice and all the scratches, as well as Brendan Dillon, who had also fought kind of about a minute earlier. He comes out, they all pat Lowry on the back in the hallway. And that kind of shows a closeness that I don't think we, we get to see too often. So I, was, I thought that was a really cool video clip. You can see that on uh, the Jets' social media channels. Um, the other thing is that in a big pressure game, the Jets started a bit tentative, but it didn't take them long to get to their game. And the one that's 
given them kind of so much success over the past couple of weeks. That's the type of game that they're going to need in the postseason, and every game in the playoffs has a lot of pressure built into it, so it looks like the Jets are ready for that. And you know what, on the subject of that fight, and you can say whatever you want about fighting in hockey, but it's a part of the game. And I'm curious to know, in spite of the fact that it was kind of, you know, it wasn't, I would describe it as sort of an ugly moment, but is it a good thing that that happened to maybe get this last moment of galvanization in that game for the, for the Jets and the team to bring them close, even closer together? Yeah, I think so. And like, I'm kind of with you in that as soon as I saw the gloves come off, I'm like, okay, well, Lowry's fought Reeves before, so there is that. Um, but you're just hoping that he gets out of it healthy, right? Like, that's that's the main thing. Um, so it's unfortunate that it, that it did have to come to that at 30 seconds left in a game that was, for all intents and purposes, over. Um, but I guess, you know, the Ryan Reeves gets sent out by Minnesota's head coach, and I think if you were watching the game, you saw what Rick Bonus's reaction was to that. Um, nonetheless, you know, they end up um, both guys healthy from what I could understand. And uh, that's the main thing that comes out of that. And then obviously, the like I said, the, the fact that the room gets even closer together in a, in a game that meant so much, um, I think it's a good thing. What's it speak to, Mitchell, about just how emotion plays such a role, right? And, I, and it seems like an obvious statement to make, but there might have been arguments in seasons past or even months past that, that the emotion was missing, and it doesn't feel that way now, not just with intensity, but I guess the cohesiveness that's so important, especially when you're about to make an intense playoff run. Yeah, and every play matters. And I think part of the thing that, um, and Lowry's a part of this, part of the thing that makes the Winnipeg Jets as tough to play against as they are is the fact that they are so tenacious on the puck. And, you know, you you can look back over a number of games that the Winnipeg Jets have played well over the last little bit. And the main thing that sticks out is they're winning those puck battles. They're getting in on pucks on the forecheck, or if it's in their own zone, they're knocking guys off the puck, getting, getting it out of their zone, moving quickly. And that's something that is a hallmark, (coughs) excuse me, of their game. And it's, it's one that I think they've, kind of gotten back to you know in the middle of the season kind of when they went through a little bit of their their slide there maybe it wasn't as present or as visibly present as it is now like you look back to the game against Nashville that second period was about as dominant as I've seen the Winnipeg Jets look uh this season when they outshot them 20 to 5 and it just seemed every puck battle was being won by a Jet player no matter who it was and you know, the bench gets behind that, all your teammates get behind that, the fans get behind that, and then you become a almost impossible team to play against, as Nashville found out. Speaking with Mitchell Clinton from Jets TV, so the Jets have, with the clinching of that playoff spot, uh, going into tonight's final game of the regular season, what are the expectations for tonight's game in Colorado as the Jets look to the playoffs? Well, I have nothing to base this on outside of an assumption, but my guess is that after 13 straight starts, Connor Hellebuck just might get the night off tonight. Uh, but we'll see. The morning skate's going to be in about an hour uh, in Denver, so we'll see if that holds true. But it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets look like lineup-wise. It's so hard to tell which players have been battling through injury and might benefit from a night off. Of course, Nikolai Ehlers left the game against Minnesota and didn't return, although I did see him on the ice for the celebration afterwards. So, I don't know. It's hard to tell uh, if he's going to play tonight or not. So the morning skate in Denver will uh, kind of give some indication there. But the other thing to keep in mind is that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Colorado still has something to play for tonight. Uh, they can clinch the top spot in the Central, but they need a win against Winnipeg 
and they need the Stars to lose to St. Louis in regulation. I'm so glad the Jets aren't involved in any of these. Like, <laughs> yes. if they win, like that, I think that's what honestly made me sick the last little while, trying to figure out all that stuff. But uh, finally, you know, the Jets have won two of three against Colorado this season, and with a win tonight, they finished the season with 47 wins, which would be tied for the second most in franchise history. So, lots to play for tonight, but it'll be interesting to see what the lineup might look like. You know, when Loren uh, made that comment, uh, that joke about uh, our scintillating hockey analysis, although with me, it wouldn't be far off. I'd be asking questions like, so what's a blue line? But I imagine <laughs> as we head into the playoffs, there might be some questions like that coming from Winnipeggers because more fa- fans come out of the woodwork to enjoy and celebrate the playoffs, whereas they may not pay attention regularly. But, you know, what's your take on that? Bandwagon hoppers or just enjoying and celebrating what really is a special occasion? It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a big deal. Yeah. Everybody's welcome. Hop on if you want. WinnipegJets.com slash tickets is the place to go. And, and like, honestly, though, like, I, I think of some of my best memories working for this team. This is my 10th season are pretty much all whiteout based. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, still go back on YouTube if we're not playing that night or something. And 2018 game three against Nashville. I mean, I think a lot of people will remember that one. Um, the one that I wish there were fans in the building for was Kyle Connor's triple overtime winner. Uh, against Edmonton to win that series. So I'm just really looking forward to having fans back in the building, creating that atmosphere that really is second to none. And, you know, there's guys that are on the Winnipeg Jets, like Dylan DeMello, who I'm pretty sure, you know, one of the main reasons that he wanted to stick around in Winnipeg, he believed in the team. But I think, you know, when when you're a player and you're watching the Jets in the playoffs and you see the whiteout, that's something that you're like, okay, that would be be fun to be a part of. Um, So I I think the players are fired up for it. Uh, you can tell by all the Instagram posts on their stories about uh, after we clinched, bring it on, bring on the whiteout is what they're saying. And for so for fans that, that want to get involved in everything, like absolutely jump in and uh, it'll be a great time. And I love this when this happens, Mitchell, because it, it's a maybe a cheesy saying, but you know the Winnipeg Jets Twitter account has a storm is coming, and the, yeah. and all the spinoffs with the you know the little flurry emojis and the snow emojis mm-hmm. that people are using, and it's sort of I, I when I noticed that I got a I, I will admit to getting excited, and I've been one of those frustrated on and off fans this season, and here I am ready to go. And so when it comes to parties, we don't have the details yet on what might be happening on the streets around. Canada Life Centre, mm-hmm. but there's a whole space that could be used this year that would be fun in terms of True North Square being brought into the mix. I mean, things could get really special in the next week or so. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the the big screen that's in there too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, like it's, it's going to be awesome. And I'm waiting as well on, on details on that so that I can get them thrown up on WinnipegJets.com so people can see it. Of course, you guys will also have information on that when it comes available. So, just really looking forward to it. It honestly is the best time of the year. And I think that's why, you know, when, when you're getting down into the final bits of the regular season, you're grinding for those playoff spots. It's just, just getting in just feels like such a relief because you know, you're, you get to play in the best part of the year. And Jets didn't get to do that last year. They're back in it this year. I think they appreciate being back in there and they're looking forward to putting on a good show. And before we let you go, Mitchell, our question of the day yesterday afternoon was, looks like the Jets will face either the Vegas Golden Knights or the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs. Who do you think they have a better chance against? 71% said Vegas, 29% Edmonton. What do you think? Well, part of me just hopes we play Vegas just because I like being able to hold that four-game sweep over Edmonton uh, over their heads. But 
they, of course, back in the day, uh, won a few series against Winnipeg as well. So, I mean, the Jets played Edmonton relatively well this year. There was the one game in Edmonton that didn't go so well, but both games, uh, one on New Year's Eve, the Jets won in Edmonton. Leon Dreisaitl wasn't in that game, but and then the Jets also won in Edmonton a little bit later on at the uh, beginning of March. So, you know, of course, anytime Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl have the puck, it's a little bit nerve-wracking, but uh, the Jets have shown they're, they're able to handle it to a certain extent. For me, I, w- I would like to play Vegas just because, I mean, I mentioned 2018 before, but that was kind of the the series that I was like, oh, I, I just felt like Winnipeg was the better team that, that round and just kind of got goalied by Marc-Andre Fleury. So I would like to play Vegas if only just to, you know, have have a chance to avenge that, even though the rosters are totally different now. But um, I would lean towards Vegas, but uh, I'll take anybody at this point. Mitchell Clinton, Jets TV. Thank you very much for joining us. Take care of that cough, bud. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. And uh, I like how he used the, the as a verb, Lauren. They got goalied. Goalied! <laughs> I like it when we, it's like the kids all now these days when they were younger would do, who are we versing? Oh, geez, that's right. Versing. <laughs> be like, that's not, that's not a word, buddy. Yeah. yeah, it's funny when I, you know, I try not to be that guy who who says, oh, kids and their dumb slang, but I'm still using dumb slang from when I was a kid. For so, sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah, we can't be too critical. There's things I say now like that make zero sense. Like, you got it, Park Pontiac. <laughs> so, like, what is, why? <laughs> you know? Your eight-year-old is surely going to be right up to snuff on what that if means. If you weren't born in 1985 or under, you don't know what that mom is talking about. <laughs>